Support for today's Heat Treat Radio episode is provided by the Quintus eBook, High Pressure Heat Treatment, Leading the Renaissance of Hot Isostatic Pressing. Get it today at www.heattreattoday.com forward slash ebook. And welcome to Heat Treat Radio. Whether you're listening to us or tuning in via video on heattreattoday.com forward slash radio, we're glad to have you. While this episode about the advances in workflow planning software will be more interesting to our commercial heat treating listeners, this topic is a fascinating one that speaks to Industry 4.0 and IIoT questions. The main question, how are data and human-machine interfacing technologies advancing to make the heat treat experience more efficient? Host and Heat Treat Today publisher Doug Glenn is joined by the CEO of Steelhead Technologies, Jeffrey Hallonen, to break down this question in today's episode. Jeff is a co-founder of Steelhead Technologies, a plant operating system provider serving job shop manufacturing plants in the US. Jeff is a mechanical engineer by training and spent several years at General Motors before starting in technical sales and manufacturing software. As you'll hear, Jeff enjoys the personal impact that he can have on customers when they discover exciting new ways to run their businesses. Let's take a listen. So here we are with uh, Jeff Hallinan from Steelhead Technologies. Jeff, first, I want to just welcome you to Heat Treat Radio. Thanks, Doug. Pleasure to be here. Great. Look, we're, we're, we're looking forward to talking to you today about uh, uh, what is a growing interest, I think, uh, to a lot of people in this industry, primarily because of the, uh, the growing, and, and there is no stopping it, the growing of technology and data and things of that sort. And I know your company is uh, heavily invested in uh, job shop operate, you know, plant-wide, organization-wide uh, operating systems. So that's basically what I what we're going to talk about today. So uh, first, just to, if you don't mind, I, I, the, the, I guess the first question I wanted to ask you was, uh, what do you think for for job shop for job shop type businesses are the two or three main reasons uh, that makes them less profitable than they might otherwise be? Yeah, great, great question. Uh, so a job shop is a really unique business. They they don't have the luxury of kind of centralized planning or planning in advance and architecting a plant like you might do, like if you're making, you know, Tahoe's, Chevy Tahoe's, right? An immense amount of engineering goes into build a highly efficient operation because it's generally highly predictable. Uh, a job shop, on the other hand, is the opposite of predictability down to what parts, what hour, what time of day, how many customers by week, by month, everything changes constantly. And that drives a lot of inefficiency because not because what they do is, is overly complicated. It's the complexity that grows both with a high quantity of customers and a high quantity of specifications that you need to build to. And then obviously being at the end of the, the end customer's production cycle, the lead times are often very high pressure because you have to make up all the time for all of their mistakes and all of their missed deadlines. And you're the last step before it gets on a plane or a train or goes straight to the customer. Uh, so as far as where where we've seen in our experience uh, room to improve these operations from a profitability and a data standpoint, uh, data is is not something you're going to be able to sell out in the market. Data in your plant is itself is not very valuable, but it's the decisions you can make with that data. Uh, specifically, something as powerful as like profitability. Uh, for example, if you have five, 10, 20 different processes or lines, you know, which one is more profitable than the other, right? That should be something that you understand. Like this is what your business does. Uh, 
you know, different types of business, different even part numbers, customers, uh, different lead times that you offer for, for customers, what's your cost versus return on that. Uh, and then the other opportunity, um, aside from analyzing the commercial side of all of your work is, is your production, right? If you're a, a job shop, generally you're, you're parts in, parts out, go, go, go. It's more of a service business than a slow moving, uh, very technical uh, manufacturer. So basically every time that a job comes through your shop, you should be studying what does it take to make that job go? Anything from the quote to closing the sale, to uh, receiving the order, to the physical paperwork, to notifying the floor, to building a schedule, to scheduling capacity, to executing production, providing an instruction information, how you collect that data, how you notify, something as simple as how do you notify customers? If you're notifying customers on the phone or email and you do 20, 30 orders a day, 100 orders a day, it adds up really quickly. Invoicing, how do you generate reports, aggregate data? Uh, that's, that's the other thing that we see in job shops very frequently is actually the cost of executing an order on a marginal basis can be uh, extremely high if you have many systems or it's paper-based or it's not streamlined. Right. Not, so not just the processing of the part, but uh, in the sense of thermally processing the part. But you're, you're talking all the way from, from uh, preparing the quote all the way through to shipping and anything at the end. Yeah. Absolutely, Doug. In our experience, the, the manufacturers, the job shop manufacturers, they're pros at what they do, the actual process. They've been doing it for years or sometimes decades. They have it absolutely dialed. So what happens, the physical processing of the part is generally... Uh, sometimes there's some room for improvement, but a lot of times that, that is a fine-tuned machine. Generally, it's the business systems all that surround it. You know, one thing that we like to point to is the very heavy investments that the industry makes in uh, physical, tangible goods, like natural gas, land, equipment, people, uh, you know, automation systems, like physical automation systems, uh, where we see a huge opportunity is all of the things you can't actually touch and feel. It's the digital uh, operating system that your plant runs on, all the systems and processes that makes your business tick. Yeah. Okay. So the, the immediate question jumps to my mind is, okay, you're talking about data in from the very beginning of the process all the way through. I don't know too many companies, especially job shops, that are actually gathering that type of data. Uh, is it possible? And is it, is, what, are the what are the costs involved, let's say, of starting to gather that data? From that point all the way through, you know, seems like that would be expensive and difficult to do. Yeah, absolutely, Doug. It's it's a it feels like a really kind of asymptotic target where you can try really hard and you can make progress, but the rate at which you make progress drops off really quickly. And, and so basically, it's what we see is a balance of cost of data and value of the data. And it's not that uh, manufacturers don't value the data. They, they often do make an investment to get the data, but what they realize quickly is without the proper tools, that cost ramps up really quick and they essentially hit that floor, that asymptote, if you will, really quickly. So they say, okay, well, we are clearly expending more effort than it's worth. So we're going to dial it back and we're going to go right here. That's where we're setting the knob and we're going to run our plant. Unfortunately, with the tools available, that setting or their, you know, their status quo tends to be paper, uh, Excel, systems like that, because if you have no system at all, not even paper, it's very obvious, like, hey, we need some sort of system. Okay, so we, we write paper, we highlight, we put them here, we do this, we do that, we whiteboard for scheduling, and you see a lot of yield from essentially those data systems, those are rudimentary data systems, and the cost is very low. So you spend a week or two, and you deploy it, you, you make it, and you run it, and you get the value, and then you say, well, now I want to track 
what part was in what oven at what exact time and exactly what through. And I want to, now I want to see all the parts that went through this type of process or that type of process where I want to, we've run that part number um, 40 times. I want to see its performance every single time from a commercial standpoint, all of a sudden the cost of obtaining that data. Now you just have a wish list and you look at it and you're like, yeah, that's going to be impossible. It's way much, way too much time to get that data. So that's, that's really where deploying a centralized platform that really takes in everything from the business, anything from uh, inventory to quoting, to operator instructions, to time in each process, to part numbers, to shippers, to invoicing, it's, it all really is intertwined. And when you can track every single movement of every single part going through the entire process, the cost of that data drops uh, precipitously. And especially if you have reporting integrated, so now you can generate reports that will passively collect data as your operations um, go on. So whatever you look at on a daily, weekly, monthly basis to essentially run your plant. Uh, once you have your plant, we like to say digitize, automate, optimize. And, and to us, this is three core steps to reducing the cost of data. First, digital, right? If you're if you're not, if you have no system or you have paper, very difficult to obtain actionable data and actionable insights from your plant. Uh, but even if you do digitize successfully, but it, you just have mass data, huge databases, very low usability, because now you need to be essentially a data scientist to go in and, and make it useful. So next is automation. We need to automatically tailor the data to present profit margin. We need to automatically tailor the data to, to track reworks. Uh, so that's the next step, because that gets us to actionable data, actionable information. And then the last is optimization, which can happen both within a plant operating system, but oftentimes... The, the optimization itself actually happens at the plant level where the management team is now in what I would say is a luxurious position of having their, a lot of their systems uh, digitized and then automated as well. So A, they have the data, B, they have the time to address it. And now they're in the position of optimizing their facility. That could mean focusing on marketing. That could mean pursuing a new industry, developing a new process, training your operators. It could mean anything, anything in the world, yeah. getting a new permit from the city, right? These are things that optimize your plant to provide as much value as possible to the world. And you have the ability to do that because you've kind of done your homework to get your plant into a position uh, to, to action that data and have the, the time available right. as well. Right. You're, you're, you're collecting the data that need you need to make those, those types of decisions. I find it interesting. Some of the scope of the types of decisions you just mentioned there that, that, you know, uh, that, that job shops could, could make uh, based on the data that that's pretty interesting. So, so let me ask you this, Jeff. The how about the um, do you have any examples in the heat treat world, or where where for example in the heat treat world do you envision there being some real business efficiencies here? And, I'll, I, and let me let me preface this one other way too. A lot of our a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are not necessarily job shops. I mean they're mm -hmm. they are they're captive. They could be what we call captive heat treaters who run high volume, low variability. But there are some who actually run high variability, right? A lot of different parts, maybe not exceptionally high volumes or at least smaller volumes than our captive heat treaters. So, you know, address, I guess addressing those guys or even the guys that run low variability, what, what, are, the, what are the business efficiencies we could see? Sure, so it's, it's going to be different from plant to plant and, and it's uh, as far as the value that you're gonna have because everyone has different proficiencies and, and obviously the profile, like you just mentioned, a couple of very different operational profiles of that business or business unit even. So if you're in a situation where you have a very high degree of, of mix, essentially, uh, one of the huge inefficiencies that we've seen is, you know, they want to keep a really tight lead time 
uh, but they don't have the ability to quickly and easily schedule efficiently and keep all of their equipment essentially at maximum capacity. So you keep as much throughput in the plant as possible. So the inefficiency essentially um, shows itself in the quantity of ovens. So they just simply invested in more equipment and just keep more ovens hot. And so they essentially overcapacitize, which is both a capex inefficiency and an opex efficiency because you have to heat and maintain and run uh, that much that, that much more uh, equipment. So essentially that's an environment where you have a lot of complexity and the scheduling required um, or the inability to schedule efficiently is, is leading to essentially capital inefficiency. If uh, you're in a position where you're on the other end of that spectrum, as you mentioned, Doug, where you have lower variability by part number, higher volume, um, some of the inefficiencies there can definitely be more on the, uh, on the data systems, the data processes. Uh, again, scheduling, if you're gonna run, if it's a very simple schedule, I mean, you can schedule it very quickly and easily and very efficiently because you don't have a lot of change, uh, but it's uh, tracking that information uh, where all of the parts it's it, a lot of times it's the administrative ad administration so people are walking out still trying to find where the parts are simple things like order status simple things like uh we ran this part with this lot number or purchase order or shipper number or whatever identifier had we had it we ran this six months ago what happened to that part uh, oftentimes even something as simple as that can turn into a 20 30 40 minute exercise instead of yeah just quickly finding that information. Yeah, how, how about equipment inefficiencies? How can a system like yours, let's say, gathering all the data, how can it help us increase efficiency just of the equipment that we have? So I guess the first the first step, as they say, to addressing uh, an issue is, is knowing you have a problem. So the first, the first step is measuring what actually happens in the real world, right? You can walk out into any shop and just open your eyes and things are happening, right? But your knowledge of what's happening is almost just instantaneously because as soon as you go to the ball game later, you forgot all about that pile of parts or that empty oven that you saw. But if you have a situation where at the end of the day, week, month, quarter, you have the raw numbers. Our oven has this many hours of production capability. We know it can do X amount of parts or racks or pounds or whatever the metric is. And it did Y and that's X percentage below that number. The numbers are, are they, they speak for themselves. As far as what the team can do to address that problem. Uh, that could be any number of things um, from a plant management standpoint. And that's where it really gets into the optimization side. Uh, although one thing might be scheduling efficiency. So if we find that uh, turnovers or essentially thermal profiles or run speeds or whatever it may be, if we have an opportunity to batch production uh, to uh, essentially increase uh, density, which might be a scheduling exercise, uh, we might explore that. Uh, that could also come back into business strategy. It's all very interrelated. Uh, for example, you might offer obviously expedite fees. So fast turnaround at a higher price, but then lower price for long turnaround time, because that now gives you the privilege of uh, organizing your work in a more efficient way and, and providing the, the same value at, at a lower price. If that end customer has the, the time in their schedule, they can say, hey, I want to save money and, and have my, my job done uh, in, in a week or so instead of 24 hours where I'm ready to pay a huge premium. I mean, that cost multiple can be uh, dramatic and for, for good reason. Yeah. Yeah. So I got, I got two, two more questions for you. And uh, one's kind of a, a little bit of a hypothetical. I want you to kind of take a guess or I, I, maybe it's a guess. Maybe you know this stuff about the, this, the rate at which uh, software and digitization, if you will, of the sort that you're talking about is coming into job shops. Okay. That's, that's the first thing. 
And uh, then the second thing and the last thing I want to ask you after that is uh, for you to just kind of take us on a walk through a, a heat treat to the best you know, the best you know of the heat treat business, how might a system like yours look? So first thing is, first question is, you know, a lot of people say, listen, I got my system in, in hand. I'm okay the way I am. Is it coming? I mean, is it, do you think people are going to have to get to this digitalization sooner or later? Uh, yeah, I obviously believe so. Uh, yes, um, I, I understand uh, you can definitely run a shop on on paper. You can run it on on Excel. Uh, but uh, as far as macro trends out in the world, uh, first, the technology available. So the team at Steelhead is obviously very competent, a lot of really great software engineers. But the tools available have progressed dramatically over the last uh, couple of years. So, I mean, we've run into uh, heat treating shops that are using a you know, system maybe they installed in the, in the 90s uh, and it does functionally work, but uh, we do see a lot of uh, symptoms, essentially negative or adverse uh, symptoms to the business uh, by choosing to kind of use maybe a, um, a less effective system. And that usually comes in less data, less actionable data. It, it does facilitate the physical paperwork needed to run your plant but it's not a competitive advantage. It just is kind of there and it's, it's just kind of barely acceptable. Um, you know, the employee morale is not great. People don't love using systems where there's multiple, you know, have to re-enter data, they can't work from home. Uh, I mean, there's so many different currents that are, are coming in there. And the other one is um, the end customers often like more and more visibility, more and more traceability into plants. So transparency, visibility, traceability. So I, I don't think it's a situation where it's going to become unviable to run a, a shop without really advanced technology. But I think over time, it will be a situation where the competitive profile is, is one where uh, there's clear advantages to the shops that embrace the holistic yeah. business advantages that come with that. I mean, and think about your customers, right? They're buyers just like anyone else. And everyone loves shopping on Amazon or, or their favorite website. They get the notifications. They can track everything. You know, dominant you order pizza at Domino's, and you can see the you know, yeah, yeah, out the dough. It. They're putting yeah. on the sauce, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. the predictability, the, the visibility is something that's really important. So, um, I, I think over over time, it's certain, certainly something that the end uh, consumer or end manufacturer is really going to continue to drive. Uh, even automotive traceability, everything like that. So, as the requirements of data uh, go up, uh, and also the competitive landscape. Uh, starts to adopt more and more of this technology, it's going to be, uh, I would say, more and more of a, a disadvantage uh, in the competitive landscape to be um, not, not at the cutting edge uh, of, of that technology. Yeah. And pretty soon it's not going to be cutting edge, I guess, is my thinking, is as more and more people are adapting, a adopting it, I, I guess I should say, you know, it's going to become easier to easier to adopt. I mean, it's going to, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be easier to install, easier to you know, uh, launch into any business, so. When we return, Jeff will share how digitization can transform and make more efficient your heat treat shop. But first, a word from our sponsor. Are you part of a forward-thinking team? Are you looking for resources to help you understand cutting-edge technologies in heat treat? If so, you have to check out the free ebook, High Pressure Heat Treatment, Leading the Renaissance of Hot Isostatic Pressing. This short resource is provided by Heat Treat Today through a partnership with the great people over at Quintus Technologies. In High Pressure Heat Treatment, leading the renaissance of hot isostatic pressing, you'll learn critical need-to-know knowledge about high pressure heat treating as well as where the technology is going. Download High Pressure Heat Treatment, leading the renaissance of hot isostatic pressing to find out more. 
Again, your copy to freely download is at www.heatreattoday.com forward slash ebook. Now back to the episode. Well, so, so take us through that uh, as a job shop, you know, any, any of our either captive heat treaters that have a high variability of products or a lot of our commercial heat treat shops, which of course have high variability of products. How would it look? How would your system start us as early as you can in the, in the process and walk us through it? Sure. So, I mean, starting at the beginning uh, of the process, if you say, okay, I'm, I'm interested, I, I need a system. I, I can just feel it. I can see it. I, I know there's opportunity to improve our business or we feel like we've really optimized everything about our business, but we still feel like we have restrictions on growth. Um, this could be, it takes a lot of energy from the management team, the ownership team, they're involved. One question I like to ask is, if the business going through your business or business unit doubles, do your headaches double? Like the amount of hours you work, does that double? Like to me, that's typically yeah. symptomatic of uh, uh, systems, uh, room for system improvement. But essentially early on in the process, it starts with, uh, some level of interest, some level of intrigue. I think this is something we can improve on. Our plant manager is complaining that they can't work from home. I mean, whatever, whatever all these issues are that that manifest themselves, or you know, you're you're losing jobs and quoting, and you're not sure if you're high price or low price, or, or uh, margins might be unclear. Uh, you're, you're not satisfied with the level of data, but basically, uh, starting there, like if you know, that's generally where we start our conversations with plants, and we really take a, a an approach of both informing about what's possible on the tool uh, and what's impossible on a modern platform, but then also doing a value assessment. So how do you do this? How do you do that? How do you do this? How do you do this? How do you do this? So that kind of third party provides a great, uh, almost a sounding board to say, okay, here's an itemized list of room for improvement. Uh, and honestly, if uh, that, that's, that's really what makes it compelling is when we can sit down with uh, a potential partner and identify how we can actually improve the business in very real and definitive terms uh, not just, Hey, there's, in, there's, you know, insights that you can use to drive your business, but also here's how much time you spent here, how much, how much time you spend there. So it's, it's a combination of calculating hard costs and hard opportunities. And then obviously the, the upside with the, the actionable insights from the system, um, from there, uh, the deployments, um, at Steelhead, we do uh, direct to direct service. So no third parties, uh, it's a Steelhead team member will, uh, essentially go through a lot of meetings and, and plant walks in some cases, and re essentially reverse engineer your plan. Where do parts come in the building? And then what? And then, then they go here, they always go there sometimes. So they, can they be run together? Like, so we will ask a million questions to essentially reverse engineer the flow of your plant. And then, you know, we've designed the system to be, uh, to reflect your current operations. So not, here's a software, just bend your plant over backwards, match a software, whether it's in quoting uh, automation or process workflow automation or reporting, or any other parts of the, of the system, uh, we're going to want to ask as many questions as we possibly can to configure the system uh, to match your plant. Um, and, and, and Doug, you mentioned um, the cost is going to go down over time of technology. Absolutely. Because one thing that we can do uh, very quickly, since our, our, our platform is essentially kind of like a build your own, it's, it's almost like just like Excel, except it's Excel that's highly, highly engineered to work for this specific industry. One thing we can do is we can prove it out really quickly. So in just a few hours or a couple of days, we can essentially build uh, your plant or a part of your plant and then run your work through your plant and, and so pick up a quote and say, okay, let's write this quote. Now, here's a purchase order. Let's do the purchase order. Let's take this tablet and let's go out to your plant and step it through your exact operator interfaces. Let's collect that data. Let's track it. Let's sit down in the conference room. Let's pull up the reports, uh, whatever it is, the inventory. 
So that's one thing that we really like to do early on, uh, whether it's in the late sales cycle or, or evaluation or sales cycle or early on in the deployments is prove it works. Because one of the things that we've seen time and time again is the, the horror stories with plan operating software. We tried for 18 months and we put in X tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars and we pulled the plug. We went back to whatever we were using before. Yeah, yeah uh, so we, pen and paper. Yeah, exactly. So proof of concept really quick. Um, but then the other thing is just the actual deployment going fast. So we like to go hot and heavy, kind of rip the Band-Aid off, not drag it out over months. We like to go uh, two to four weeks, uh, training the team, iterate, 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 test, 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 test. Because everyone says, oh, this is how it should work. And we, and we build it and we test it. And then there's always a couple of tweaks. Uh, and then from there, it's, uh, we have a, a customer success team as well. So whether it's a phone call, email, Zoom call, training, uh, we like to have someone available to, to answer the phone. Our, our philosophy is that your digital infrastructure isn't something that um, should be optimized for, for low cost because uh, we feel that uh, the service that comes along with it with a team of experts is, is critical because, I mean, this is, it's, it's like a wiring harness for your automobile. Like it runs your entire plant and your plant changes and you have changing requirements. So to have essentially pros on your bench to uh, make those adaptations in real time in your plant, we think is, is highly valuable. So um, we kind of, that's, that's kind of our approach is, is full service. We, we kind of own the functionality of, of the system in your plant. Um, anything from the, the deployment to ongoing, uh, ongoing support. We're, we're always one degree away from engineering as well. So if we have a, uh, every once in a while a bug or something's not working properly, uh, you know, our engineers are, are right there oftentimes on calls with customers to make sure everything's uh, working properly. Jump, they can jump into the system and reprogram as necessary. All right. Now that's good. So, so run us through this one then, if you would, let's say there's a company and you're going to, you're going to have to take a very generic type job shop, right? Let's say somebody has your system already fully integrated. Everything's working well. What does it look like? I think I think part of the issue, the reason I ask this question is I think a lot of people, like myself, have trouble envisioning what it would look like and how it would be different than than what I'm doing now. A company who has your system, they go to do a a quote for a job. They receive an inquiry. Mm -hmm. Does the process that they follow is it any different than what they would have done before your system is there, or is it basically they're still going to process the Let's just take that first step, right? Process and RFQ. How, mm -hmm. how is that going to change from when, if they didn't have your system? Right. So something like quoting uh, can be a, a fairly dramatic change depending on how, what the current system is. I mean, current systems can be uh, Microsoft Word and yep. Microsoft Outlook and, and right. maybe an Excel sheet to, to track uh, the quotes, right? So a lot of time to essentially administer them and then pretty limited visibility. So the transaction that we'd see there is uh, within Steelhead, you can actually build a fully automated quote so you can actually define the algorithm. So all of your flow charts, your Excel sheets, square root functions, looking at the mass of the part, specific gravity, uh, material, uh, whatever that price, whatever that may be. And we can even reference, uh, you know, the current price of natural gas, right? So you can build yeah, essentially sure. mm -hmm. models to reflect how your business runs. And then you can also reference uh, the past performance of that job. So what that looks like uh, on quoting is, is you're building the quote all in one system. So you might have multiple people involved in the quote. So one person is working with the customer to verify requirements, verify inputs, ask questions, gather more data, and then it lands in someone else's inbox. So we have a streamlined workflow where now the owner or the plant manager or sales manager can now approve that quote and then sending it to the customer instead of, you know, sending it through email and downloading, moving things around, we can send it right out of the platform, attach a file, 
Uh, we can track and see when actually the end customer is opening the quote. So now your sales team has a lot of tools. Gotcha. They can say, hey, what quotes have never been opened? Like, hey, we should probably make a phone call. We put a lot of effort into those quotes. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we call yeah. them and, and see what's going on? So uh, a lot more analytics, but also just speed. Uh, another thing we've heard a lot is customer calls and they send a purchase order references a quote to go and find that quote is can be a challenge because it's in someone's inbox, right? So instead, it's just like all in one platform. You grab that quote, convert it to, a, to an order, and now you're running production. So it's it's really about, it, it's all the same data, honestly, right? I mean, it's it's your plan, right? You're not going to start quoting on using different laws of physics. It, it's about streamlining what you do today and replicating what you do today, but improving the customer experience, improving your team's experience, and, and honestly, quoting faster, which leads to more jobs, right? Everyone wants everything quickly. So if you can go from two days to two hours or from five hours to five minutes, uh, that can have a dramatic impact on, on winning deals as well. I, I mean, there's so many anecdotes. The other, the other one would be, a, I'm in Chicago on vacation and a customer calls and they ask, where are my parts or what happened to these parts? And option A is you're now making phone calls back to home base. Someone's rummaging around looking for the information. Uh, so it's, it's not very enjoyable for you or your team or your customer, uh, you know, but what it could be is you just simply put that customer even on speakerphone or mute and you, you look for 30 seconds and, and maybe even just text them the file right, right off your phone, right? And uh, in, in real time. So it's, it's essentially speed of accessing data, customer service, um, actionable insights. Um, but a lot of it is, is workplace satisfaction. I mean, we've literally been in shops where people are threatening to quit. Our system is so bad and that, right in front of the president of the company, right? I mean, I've been saying for years, we need a new system. I, I'm at my wits end because what I have to do is so painful and repetitive every day just to make the plant go. So um, yeah, it can be, it can manifest in a lot of different ways. Good, good. Give me a quick, quick history on Steelhead. So Steelhead Technologies, uh, Steelhead Technologies was founded uh, early in 2021 uh, by a team of software engineers, mechanical engineers, uh, manufacturing engineers. And really what we started around is the need of a single customer who talked about their pain uh, regarding, they were, this particular customer was running on paper. So whether it's contacting customers, instructing operators, tracking information, finding information, even something as simple as a customer calling with a phone call, asking for information on a job was a huge disruption in their day. It took half an hour. They had to go physically find people and paper. Everything was in a huge storage room at the end. So what the Steelhead team heard was essentially a high degree of pain and essentially a plea for a solution. So we founded Steelhead Technologies to address that, uh, that need. Uh, and, uh, you know, this team has grown really quickly and, and um, we've, we've raised $2.5 million in investment capital here in, in 2022. Uh, the team went from an original team of about six to up to 16 now. Uh, as I've mentioned, uh, everything is kind of the direct service model. So whether it's uh, sales, uh, deployments or customer success. It's all team steelhead across the board. Everyone's an expert in the platform and everyone is one degree backed up by our team of engineers. We have uh, six engineers that work full-time on steelhead, making it the best that we can. Our, our, our customers are amazing. Uh, we, we, all of our, everything that we work on is driven by a customer request. Someone saying, someone out in the field using the tool saying, hey, what if, or hey, this could be better or this extra this is the extra effort, or we would really like to know this. We are trying to achieve this business objective, but we need that. And that's really where the Steelhead team uh, excels is taking essentially what we view as requirements and building a platform uh, to meet those requirements. So it's, uh, to us, it's really exciting. Uh, what we found is that the, the job shop uh, 
industry uh, specifically, and also the the high throughput or even high mixed captive shops, as you mentioned, as you mentioned, it's 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 the manufacturing environment where there's no build materials, there's no engineering team, there's no design release, there's no supply chain. It's go go go. The assumptions change by the day, hour, minute, and it's everything's fast paced. And basically, what we've seen is there's a huge lack of automation in this space uh, and a huge lack of data in the space. So uh, with high quality purpose-built technology for uh, this fast-paced, almost service uh, manufacturing uh, type, type of manufacturing with very specifically built tools, we're able to achieve uh, minimal effort to achieve each job, right? All the, the administration effort, but then also we're able to aggregate extremely detailed data down to operators, part numbers, equipment, uh, without driving up your costs and the burden and the without sacrificing ease of use. So that's that's our, our yeah. core strategy. And you know, our, our customers are are, are incredible. Um, and and our a lot of our recent success has been just uh, keeping up with our customers because they're they're always pushing for a new <laughs> a new tool, yeah. a new feature. We we roll yeah. out uh, you know a couple thousand lines of code to address this and they're like, this is good, but it needs that. So it's that's that's the other thing where we're software as a service, right? So we We've right. just long accepted that we are never going to build a software and then just ship it and it's done. It's a continual yeah. living piece, whether it's cybersecurity, very, very customizable, speed, everything. And it's so much of it is service as well, because right, you just Good. send over a software that you need to, you need to have the pros to, to get the full, to extract yeah. maximum value from it. Yeah. All right. Last question. This is your challenge question for the, for the, uh, for the session here. All right. You personally. What do you find most interesting, and exciting about it? What's the what? Do you, what do you when you look into the future? What are you excited about? Uh, what excites uh, me the most is 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 the transition that shops can see by adopting essentially technology and systems. Uh, whether it's just flat out impact to the bottom line, which we've seen in some shops where it's really stunning uh, the decision, like some marginal labor costs like masking, like one person takes three minutes, another takes nine. So it's, they were able to address a three X marginal labor cost with the data before they were just eating it. Uh, this customer's not profitable. We're not doing that. Uh, we are no longer accepting batch sizes below X because we are armed with the data. So what really excites me personally is the, the journey that each of these, op, these plants are able to go on. And it's, it's, it's also, I, I kind of get really excited about or passionate about, when, when I'm able to see a difference between the way things are and the way they could be. And that's what every single interaction with our partners is, is we see the way that they are and we, you know, we work really hard to build the best one possible. So it's like, Hey, look at this difference. Look, look what we could do. And so it's that sense of accomplishment, I guess, on, on a customer by customer basis to really get as much as possible out of their time, resources, people, and their yeah. honestly, their entire enterprise. Yeah, it's kind of nice seeing the smile on your customer's face, I think, right? When things yeah. go well, just being able to see them go, man, that was good. <laughs> yeah, That's cool. That's cool. Very good, Jeff. Well, Jeff, thanks. I, I really appreciate it. It's very exciting. Sounds like you guys have got a lot of uh, interesting things going on. And uh, hopefully some of our some of our uh, readers, listeners, viewers will uh, be able to give you a call. But thanks for thanks for joining us. Absolutely, Doug. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, if, if anyone has any questions, obviously, I, I know you're going to post the info, but uh, GoSteelHunt.com is our is our website. I uh, just spent a lot of time putting a lot of content in there in the last several weeks, so a lot of great reading there to to really understand if this is something that uh, that you've been considering for your enterprise to uh, kind of take it to the next level, whether that's uh, under your ownership or preparing it for some sort of transition to 
you know, someone that's taking it over or even a, even a sale. It's, there's a lot of reasons why people are really interested in, in uh, moving their business to the, to the next level. Good. All right. GoSteelhead.com. Very good. Jeff, thanks very much. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Doug. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode with Jeffrey Hallonen. Heat Treat Radio is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and the website www.heatreattoday.com forward slash radio. If you'd like to get in contact with Jeff, head over to www.gosteelhead.com. That's go, G-O, steelhead, S-T-E-E-L-H-E-A-D.com. Or you can email him at jeff at gosteelhead.com. You can also reach out to me and I can put you in touch. My email is bethany at heatreattoday.com. As always, if you have an interesting idea that you want to hear discussed on Heat Treat Radio, do let me know. Or if you'd like to be a sponsor of a future episode, you can reach out to me at bethany at heatreattoday.com. Heat Treat Today offers a wide variety of technical topics as articles and discussions, some focused on more general heat treat knowledge and than others. If you are interested in diving into heat treat topics that specifically relate to the industry your shop handles, check out these four focus categories on heatreattoday.com. Automotive, aerospace, medical, and energy. Each has their own e-newsletter that you can subscribe to, as well as a LinkedIn page to get to know relevant people in that specific heat treat sector of our industry. Heat Treat Radio would like to thank High Pressure Heat Treatment, leading the renaissance of hot isostatic pressing, for supporting this episode. Get your free ebook today at www.heatreattoday.com forward slash ebook. This and every other episode of Heat Treat Radio is the sole property of Heat Treat Today and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without advanced written permission from Heat Treat Today. And I'm Bethany Leone. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.